Let's go! Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I'm your co-host, Danny Heath of Project Hockey, and today we had on probably, I mean, the most gut-wrenching, heartwarming, storytelling person, player, athlete that, that we've had on here, Mark Popovic. Uh, it, it was it was unbelievable to have him on and, and him to tell his tell his story um, and for him to, to open up. It was phenomenal. But before we dive any deeper, Coach, with me as usual is... Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, this was a really, I think, a very powerful and positive interview. Uh, Mark Popovic really dove into his journey in hockey and you know, opened up about, you know, some of the, the downsides of, of his path and, and kind of his, his mental, um, I guess, mental health and kind of his a little bit of burnout factor and, and dealing with junior hockey and pro hockey and, and something that I don't think gets talked about that often. So it's really, uh, I'm very appreciative that he gave us some insight into that part of it. And then that translating that into what he does in the game, working with players um, in such a positive way. Well, you'll hear all about it in the episode, but I think he there's a ton of great takeaways for players and parents specifically in this uh, in this episode. And I'm excited for people to to listen to it. What, uh, Peter? What's uh, what's what are you really excited for in this episode? Uh, all of it. Like his when he talked to he he was bringing up questions, right? Like, hey, can I give some advice to parents and yeah, uh, it was it was awesome. And this is the type I met him out in Colorado a couple months back when I was out there um, with Aces Academy doing some hockey work out there. But um, and I, he's one of the guys that I'm glad I met him. And I think I met him for a reason. And I think there's there's a lot more to come from him and him and I's relationship uh, because I think he's doing things the right way. And he's something he's somebody that I want to keep keep around in my life. So appreciate you, coach, for coming on. Uh, I say we jump right into it. Hit that like button, cross check that like button, show us some love. And if you have any questions as you're kind of listening to this podcast, send them our way uh, and we'll get them to Mark and, and we'll get them uh, answered and hopefully have them back on for another podcast. What'd absolutely. Say? I say uh, you're absolutely right. Let's dive into it and let uh, Mark tell his story and give his uh, phenomenal advice to players, parents, coaches out there. And uh, I say, let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Born in Stony Creek, Ontario, Canada, he played in the OPJHL and was captain in the OHL for the Toronto St. Michael's Majors. Let's go. Was drafted in the second round of the 2001 NHL entry draft to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, and he signed with the Atlanta Thrashers in 2005. During his pro career, he had stints with in the NHL, AHL, KHL, plus played professionally in European leagues in Switzerland, 
Croatia and Austria. Let's go. During his career, he represented Canada in the Nations Cup, two World Junior Championships, two Spangler Cups, plus represented Croatia in the 2014-15 Spangler Cup. He now owns and operates Popovich Hockey Academy based in Colorado and works with upcoming generations to develop their hockey and leadership skills. In addition, he works with the Humboldt Broncos players for leadership and professional development. Mark Popovich, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Mark, we're excited to have you on. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up to get you know, dig in and, and hear about what you're doing here and, and learn more about your path in hockey. But let's, uh, let's fire off a couple quick questions, get, get things rolling right away. Ready for that? I got it. Let's go. All right. Uh, first first uh, response, whatever pops in your head, Pandora or Spotify? Spotify. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. First app you open when you wake up in the morning? Instagram. Instagram. Instagram guy. <laughs> Off-season activity. Danny Hype, by the way. <laughs> Straight to Danny Hype's page <laughs> to see what, what, what the heck he's got going on, right? Uh, off-season, best off-season activity? Uh, guitar. Love the jam. Nice. Uh, favorite hockey brand these days? Warrior. Warrior. You're the only one who would give me free stuff. There you go. That's uh, that's a good answer. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, gives us a little insight into in, in, into your mind there a little bit. But why don't we jump right into? Let's just talk hockey here. Let's let's go back into your background back in the youth hockey days, back in Stony Creek. How did you first get hooked on hockey? Uh, in my family, it was a way of life. So before I was even born, my uh, my father ran youth hockey in my town. Uh, he owned the junior B team. Uh, which is tier two, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, so I grew up at the rink. I've, I've one sibling, my sister was a figure skater. So, um, wasn't it, you know, I was there, <laughs> I was at there, you know, before school, after school, I was on the ice. I loved it. Uh, I had a great little group of kids from our hometown. You know, at that time, Stony Creek was, was 50,000. We were split in half in hockey. We had really small organization of our 14 little kids that we started together. 13 ended up playing junior hockey, a couple in the OHL. So it was, it was just this really cool little group of families and uh, players who, who grew up together. Um, by Pee Wee, I happened to go to play in Toronto. I was one of those kids. I don't know. I know this is more of a, an American podcast, but you know, you, you kind of had this fake address. You moved to Toronto, and uh, you end up playing there for a couple years. Um, but it was for me. It was, it was what I loved. It was it was a way of life in my family. Was there ever any other sports you played or anything else you did? Was there? Was there hockey all year round or was there some off season stuff? No, absolutely. When did the guitar you know, it, come into play? Uh, guitar, I, I took lessons my whole life. That was music was a big thing in our, our family as well. Um, but I played lacrosse. So I played lacrosse even when I was in the OHL. You know, for me, I was a multi sport kid all the way through. I still, I still believe in that. So I never played really spring hockey. Uh, you know, I might have gone to camps and stuff in the summer, but I, you know, at that time, I'm glad my father had some time off for me. Um, and I, I still believe in that model now when I have kids, you know, they should be doing everything, you know, go try some things. There's so much value in uh, having different groups of friends, learning different skills in different sports. Um, and it's just a healthy way to do it. it. You know, this whole 12 months a year thing is a little bit nuts. It's great. Yeah. For a guy, you know, for a guy that played at the levels you did, and, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but you know, you're, you're working with young, young athletes, you know, 
in Colorado and back in Ontario and your camps and stuff. I think it's so important that people hear that, that, uh, you know, that, that value and that importance of being a multi-sport athlete, especially at those younger ages, is not just over-specializing and getting burnout or the repetitive injuries or, um, you know, in the, the flip side of it, of all those benefits, positive benefits of playing multiple sports. I think that's a, that's a good message for people to hear that, you know, someone like yourself that made it as high as you can get up in the NHL, you know, is saying I played lacrosse when I was in the OHL. Like I didn't expect to hear that. So that's pretty cool. Um, but let's, let's jump into the OHL a little bit. So you, you found some success on the ice. Um, how old were you when you, you went to the OHL? Uh, I was late birthday. I just, so I was 15 when I moved away. Uh, okay. It was a tough decision for me. I was originally going to go scholarship route. Um, I'm a dual citizen. So I went to the USA development program <laughs> that spring before the draft in the OHL. Uh, but as a Canadian kid, I'd never lived there in the U S before I felt a little bit weird. I, you know, I told my father, let's go to the OHL. It's going to be a top pick in the league. Um, so I ended up going to St. Mike's, which is, which is perfect for me and my family. It was, you know, I got to play in the OHL while getting a private school, high school education and kind of the best of both worlds. Did you commit to any college? No, I, I went and saw Michigan, Michigan state. I went out to Boston, saw BU, BC and Harvard. I was too young to do official visits. Um, but I was actually fast tracking through school. I, I, I was going to finish a year early. I, that was my plan originally. Uh, and then as I got going, I, there was a pretty you know, clear path that I was going to be a pro hockey player at that time in my life. And, and the fact that I got to go to Toronto, which is only 45 minutes from home, you know, go to St. Mike's, University of Toronto is right there. It was kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah. You say no-brainer, but I mean, what all went into that decision? Because it's, I guess it's, a, it's probably a little bit easier for a Canadian kid to make that decision. But I mean, was it, was it simply that what gets you to, to the NHL faster? Or was it just more, you know, it just didn't really feel right here in the States? I, you know, when I say the States, it wasn't about university. It was just more <laughs> playing for the national team right? for being there. Uh, but, you know, like what I valued in my life was education and sport. Um, was I going to be an uh, – yeah, I was probably projected to be a first-rounder at that time. I was a top kid. Um, so a lot of factors went into it, the fa you know, that I was closer to home. I didn't have to move to Michigan. Yeah. I was right there. There's so many things. And I don't know, I was a 15 year old kid. So I made the choice. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to go play some hockey. Nice. So, yeah. So you made that decision. You went to, you were playing in the, in the OHL in Toronto, played a couple of seasons there, um, with St. Michael's with the majors, put up some, some very solid numbers and, I think I, what I saw was you were captain of the team in your final season uh, in, in the OHL. So let's talk about that. Like what, what do you think uh, your couple of season experience in the OHL, like from maybe from a training perspective or a player development perspective that helped what during your time there, can you pinpoint a few things that maybe helped you progress from that, you know, 14, 15 year old youth hockey stage to that point where you start talking about, you know, first or second round draft pick in the NHL and making that jump to pro hockey. I think just a couple things. The competition was great when you play at that level in the CHL. Um, you're you're going to play against some good players. That pushes you. Uh, I was fortunate to have some great coaches and people around me. Uh, Mark Napier was my first coach. Mark Osborne. Uh, Mike Feuda was around. He's, he's been the NHL executive for a long time. And then Dave Cameron came in, who coached in the NHL too. And uh, I think that was one thing. I had a great teacher's. Uh, but I also had some good teammates. You know, for me, it was a real positive experience in terms of junior hockey. 
uh, from a learning perspective. Um, I was also on the track where I was playing for the, you know, the uh, team Ontario and then the, and the national team. So 18s and world juniors and stuff. And I think that experience too is kind of a funnel that prepares you for the highest level of hockey. For sure. This might be a dumb question and There's our no dumb questions. edit this out, <laughs> but what's a, what is a St. Michael's majors? Like, what is that? I don't even get what that means. Should I, yes. is that a dumb yeah. question? No, it, no. Uh, so St. Mike's is a traditional or you know, it's a high school. It's been around forever. It's, from, it's a Catholic high school. Um, it, traditionally, the Maple Leafs, before the draft, they had uh, two clubs that were in their funnel system. They had St. Michael's Majors, uh, which is for the Catholic kids from their region, mostly Ontario. And then they had all the public school kids or non-Catholics went for the Toronto Marlies. And, they, and then those kids ended up playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, into oh, the God. 70s. Um, so when they brought back uh junior hockey or major junior hockey in toronto they wanted to be affiliated with st mike's again so i was there when i came in i was the second year back in toronto um and it was pretty special to be part of that program so if you look back at the toronto maple leafs every like from tim horton to whoever played before they all went through that school um so it's a historical franchise and uh unfortunately it's not there it's hard for junior teams to survive in toronto maple leafs um what is a major I don't know. <laughs> that's a great question. But there is a lot of history back with that club. Yeah. There's that, man. That's a ton of history. Yeah. That's, uh, it turned my dumb question into a pretty smart question. So maybe we'll have to clip this out and put it on the, on the Instagram, but, uh, cool. So, so you spent some time in major junior hockey, did your thing there. And then, then you made that jump to pro hockey. And before that was your, was your NHL draft day. And with you being projected to be, to go pretty high, what was that like? I, I'm interested to get your take on it and, and please be, be as open and honest as you, as you can be. Yeah. You know, I haven't talked about it yet in this talk, but uh, it was kind of a hard time. I, if I'm going to be honest, kind of come up to that draft year, things started getting tough for me. I was moving away from home and started getting lonely. And I, w- I would almost use the word burnt out. You know, I was, I was tired, you know, from 12 years old, from agents bugging me and all these things. I know I was just saying how great it was all moving up, but I was exhausted. And, you know, going into that draft and what would I say was the best day of my life? Probably not. You know, I was, I was supposed to be a first rounder. I ended up going the second and I look back at that. I'm, it's kind of silly that when you're 18 years old, you're, you're already kind of done, but that's kind of, that's what I felt like at that time. So you're saying when you, by you're done because of you, you had gone second or you just were completely burned out and kind of like the, the fire for hockey kind of diminished to that point. the The fire of hockey started, started going away at that time, a little bit before that. Uh, things were going well and in terms of performance and from the outside, I was, you know, I was this kid who was playing the OHL, doing really great and, you know, topping his class academically, all these things going well. I wasn't a partier. I wasn't doing anything crazy off the ice, but I was tired. I was yeah. tired, you know, and I was just pushed and I wasn't necessarily talking about my parents pushing me more the environment growing up in Toronto and that competitiveness and, it was just kind of getting to me. It was getting to me. And I, I was almost looking for a way out when what was supposed to be the door into the NHL. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you opening up like that. Cause I think that's a, that's an important thing for, for players and parents to hear out there is that, you know, it's not, you look from the outside looking in, everything can look so spectacular and, you know, sunshine and rainbows reaching higher levels. But the reality is, is, um, you know, some of that, that junior hockey life is tough and, and climbing that, that ladder in the game is, is tough. And, 
um, you know, there's a, a flip side to every, every big accomplishment. There's a lot of time and effort that went into that. And, and that always isn't, isn't necessarily always, um, you know, a positive taken in a positive way personally, I, I, I suppose. But, um, so when you, when you reach pro hockey then, so you, you kind of, you, you mentioned that your kind of passion for the game was diminishing, but you, you kept progressing and kept going. Can you talk to us about like what that looked like when you jumped into, into pro hockey and, and how you, you were approaching the game and training and, and just your life as you started your career also in hockey went from your, your pastime and your passion to, you know, climbing the ranks to all of a sudden that's your career. Let's talk about that yeah. transition a little bit. Yeah, it was, like I said, I was kind of at that point where I was, I was just tired. <laughs> a lot of anxiety and exhaustion. If, you know, I was never, I didn't know what these words meant back then. Maybe I was a little bit depressed. Um, I was, I was doing what I could at that time. And by that mean, I was probably just hanging on, <laughs> you know, going to training was tough. I didn't sleep much. I wasn't, you know, it was just one of those, I was like a college kid. That's, that's the age you are right there, you know, and it was, it was a tough time in my life. And was I able to uh, put it together on the ice? Usually. Um, but I, what I say, was I thriving? Nah, I was just surviving. I was getting by. And I, you know, it was like I said, like hockey, junior hockey to pro, even at the earlier levels, especially competitive, it, it can be a lonely world. You know, you're out there, you don't want to be vulnerable around your teammates. A lot of times you don't want to open up to your parents because they've, they've supported you so much through the way. And, um, and I'm not the only one. And the reason why I'm sharing this is I'm hoping to create that space for other athletes, just so you guys know. Um, it, was a tough, it was a tough time. It was a yeah. tough time. And it was, it was more just, all right, what do I need to do to get through this practice? What do I got to do to get through this game? And then yeah. the end of the season came. And I was like, all right, I'm done. Let me go home and see my buddies here. Um, and it was like that for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because, um, it's, it's kind of one of those things you don't really know unless you go through it. And then when you're going through it, you don't really know who else is in it with you. I, I don't know if that kind of makes sense. And let's, let's kind of jump around here a little bit. Cause now, now you said like, you're trying to create this safe space and you're trying to create, uh, an area where players can come to, to get that help that, some of them probably don't even know that they need, right? And with the game of hockey and with the way the world is right now, it's something that is more needed than ever. And so if, if you kind of want to talk about that and what, what you do for, for a living and, and talk about, um, you know, the teams that you work with and give our listeners a little bit of insight to that, to that space you're talking about. Yep, yep. So, I, so I, when I was about 20 years old, back in that time, I, you know, my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we have kids, uh, she's like, you need to do something else in your life. <laughs> so I ended up starting a hockey camp. And it was just a one week little thing where my family has a cottage up in Ontario. And it was the it was like the best week. And she just saw this joy run off me. And she's like, you got to keep this going. Uh, and, and for 15 years since then, I kept this little summer camp going up in Ontario. Uh, and it was this joy of giving back. And for me, I, I'm a skills nerd. I love skating and the, and the mechanics and, and all that kind of stuff and the long term development. But it was also about, okay, how do you use sport uh, to develop these kids? Um, about 10 years ago, I started mentoring some junior hockey players. So in the OHL or whatever league they play in, I could only take on a couple a year because I was still a pro. I was playing over in Europe. But for me, it was about, okay, having a mentor and not just a mentor to teach hockey. If they want to talk hockey, great. Uh, if they want to talk life, I'm there. There's no judgment. Um, and from there, it just kind of continued, you know, taking some coaching, coaching courses and learning some tools and stuff along the way so I can help them instead of just being this guy who played hockey who can, who can be there with them and listen. Um, 
and it's kind of picked up steam. So a couple of years ago after uh, the tragedy in Humboldt, I was asked to uh, come into the team to work with the team, not on the coaching staff, uh, but more as a player assistant, a player uh, director of leadership. And so my job was to be there to support the players. If they wanted to talk hockey, great. I can cut video. We can talk, you know, what you want to do on breakouts or sauce passes. If you want to talk about life or girlfriend problems, call me. You know, you look at a junior team like that, 22 of the 23 players that first year were billeted. Um, a lot of them were returning who were on the team that previous season. Um, so I'd, I've been there the last couple of years and I've been honored and privileged. I was even asked to be there. And, and for me, if I can just help in my own little way, and I don't pretend to be a mental health, um, there's, there's other people that can do that stuff. But what I can do is create a space where those, you know, those young men can come to me and talk about anything. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. I mean, what a, a dynamic piece to add into a junior program. Cause you're talking about well, these kids are away from home and, 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 you know, they're trying to chase their, their own dreams and, and going through, you know, a big change in life. And then you layer in the tragedy that happened in Humboldt on top of that. Um, you know, and that's a, a situation that where, where players probably need someone like yourself to talk to. So can you talk, tell us a little bit about like, like how often are you going up there? Or how are you guys connecting with these players? Like, what does that, you know, I, I don't know, personally, I don't have a lot of experience with that type of a position on a hockey team. And so can you maybe give us a little insight into like what, what that role looks like? How often are you dealing with the team? Are you traveling with them? Are you connecting over the phone or, or Zoom? Or is it, uh, you know, like what kind of, uh, just, can you just explain that role? Um, yeah. yeah. So the, first, the first year I was there um, for training camp, I was up there that month. Uh, and then I tried to be up once a week every month, the rest of the season, uh, I made a point of, you know, having some time with each player to get to know them uh, and build that connection. They're not going to call you just because you have a role on the team. Uh, you try to build that with each player, but there was no pressure. If they wanted to call me, I was there. If not, um, and it kind of over the course of the year, maybe one player gives a call and then a few more. Uh, and like I said, it's not just the players who were, uh, you know, on that team the previous season. It was, it was, I was there for everybody. You know, like I said, these kids, they're young men and they're not there. And, you know, their parents aren't around and uh, they're living, the, uh, you know, a high pressure lifestyle in, in junior hockey. It's, you know, you're a commodity in a, in a what is a, almost a pro hockey style world. So, um, you know, it's almost, you know, it's a job title that's more just, this is who I am. I'm here for you guys. I'm not, I'm not there to do anything but serve you guys. You want to talk about education, let's go there. Kind of like a life coach, you know, executive coach. That's really what the role is, is like. Um, and, you know, it's, it's finally coming into pro sports too. Uh, my sister is the director of performance in Toronto. She has a similar role there. Brian McGratton's in Calgary. There's, it's, it's, it's coming in because what these organizations, organizations are realizing is, you know, these players do need support. And it's not just all about development on the ice. Um, there's more to them. You know, they're, they're, they're people and they just happen to play hockey. Do you, um, do you do this with any other teams or is that just the, is that the main team you're working with right now, Humboldt? So I'm done with that team at, um, after two years because well, if they play this season, which hopefully right. they do. Uh, right now, just individual people reach out to me. So it's kind of weird how this has happened over the past 10 years, especially the last two working there. I, you know, I get calls from all over the place, <laughs> you know, here, can you talk to my son? I'm like, absolutely. Um, so, you know, where, where this goes or how this ends up going, I don't know. All I know is if I can help support 
you know, it could be a junior player to a pro guy to a guy transitioning afterwards to, you know, whatever they do at life after hockey, you know, I'm going to be there for them because it's needed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's needed and it's, it's something. And when I look back, that's what I needed in my life. Um, and that's what I, a lot of what I do. Like I love learning about this stuff and the, from the honest, the, you know, whatever the kind of skill development, but it's also looking back in my life and reflecting, what do I need? What do I, you know, when I look at my two young boys, what do they need in their life? If I was going to send them away from home, or they're going to do this, what what type of environment, work environment, and support to the would I want for those kids? I love that. Just a hockey guy giving back to to other hockey guys and and trying to make the make the sport better. That's that's what it's all about. I love that. Uh, well, let's let's jump back into. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about kind of later in your career um, and and how that kind of translated into what you're doing now on the ice. Um, but you spent some significant time. In, in a couple different European leagues and KHL and a couple other spots. Um, can you, can you talk to us a little bit about like what brought you overseas and your experience, you know, a couple of the takeaways that you had there, whether it was on ice or off ice and if that kind of influenced kind of what you're doing now with, with the players you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spent pretty much my first five years in the American league uh, between the ducks. And then after that, Oh, four locket, I was traded to Atlanta uh, I finally made the NHL my sixth year. So I was in Atlanta that season, um, in and out, eating more popcorn than on the ice. And I don't even think I played half the season. I know I, I think I had a high, high ankle sprain if I'm looking back. But, um, and then I went through that off season. I couldn't get a one-way contract, a guaranteed money contract. And it was coming to late August, maybe, maybe early September. And I, I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, we, I think we were engaged at the time. Um, about, about what to do, you know, the, the weather's starting to change leaves are, you know, the color of the leaves are going. I'm like, okay, this is, I should probably have a job by now. Um, so a couple options, I either took a two way where I can, you know, NHL possibly end up with the American league or the Russian team for Colin. Uh, so we were out, I was out fishing. She was on the boat and they, St. Petersburg called from Ska, St. Petersburg where, you know, that's where Datsuk and Kovalchuk and those guys ended up playing the KHL. It was a great club over there. I said, what do you want to do? She said, let's, let's go. I said, all right. So I went to the KHL and let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah. See, I didn't know how to say that back then. Yeah. Um, and it was a great year. I, you know, for me, it was actually really relieving to be like the pressure was off. Nobody knew what I was doing from, you know, you know it's not the NHL. <laughs> I, I was in team meetings and you know, they're speaking Russian and I couldn't care less what they're talking about. I just nod like I'd, bang <laughs> I'd go home and hang out with my wife and, I actually really loved <laughs> playing over there. I had some great teammates and, uh, you know, we really embraced the Russian culture and got to know the, yeah, not just the hockey guys, but their wives and families and whatever we did. So we had a lot of fun. Um, I ended up about halfway through, there was something that was just bugging me inside me and it was, all right, you didn't work your whole life to play in the KHL. And, and you know, so it, I was getting multi-year offers from that team and it w which would have been life changing for us. Uh, but I told my wife, I, I want to go back. So I, I knew I wouldn't get a guaranteed contract at the KHL. So I ended up going back on a tryout with Atlanta, which is ridiculous. I'm turning down whatever X amount of dollars in Russia to go on a tryout, which, you know, if you get hurt, <laughs> you don't even have insurance back then. Um, and ended up, ended up making it, uh, which was probably my most proud moment of pro hockey. Uh, you know, just to do something instead of for money or just, it was from the heart. It was like, let's do this. This is Let's go out there. Um, the same thing kind of happened. I was like a number six, seven D man in and out of the lineup. Uh, had a lot of fun, I, you know. But again, 
after I did that, I kind of felt like my time in North America was done. Uh, we wanted to have kids. We were married then. Uh, so we, went, we spent three years in Switzerland. Um, and then they went, back, went back to the KHL for a couple of years in Croatia. And then, uh, yeah, two more years in Austria. So once my third kid, my daughter came, I didn't want to be flying around uh, Russia, gone 120 days and mm-hmm. tired all the time. So we ended up going and finished the last couple of years in Austria. All in all, it was 15 years and it was awesome. You know, I, you know, like I talked about like early in the conversation, we're talking about the downs early in my career, but towards the end, when I just embraced who I was as a player, just go play hard, make the right play. I was a defenseman. I don't think we mentioned that, uh, you know, just, and be a great teammate. It was kind of funny. I think this happens to a lot of athletes and a lot of hockey players as the career kind of goes on. You just have so much more fun because you focus on the things that matter. You're not stressed about too many things. And those last five years, KHL there, and then the last couple in Austria was just, was just a blast. And how that, you know, how this all relates kind of my, my, my hockey academy. Well, I was running that stuff in the summer and I never made money. If I made any money, I gave it back to whatever. It was always, you know, I let kids in for free or whatever. Well, I never took a dime when I was running those camps while I was playing. And I was looking towards post-hockey. And, you know, I, I was also mentoring some of those junior players. And it was kind of, it kind of hit me. I'm like, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> I, I, I love coaching. And it's like a calling. And I enjoy working with these athletes from young kids up to, you know, if it's college guys or whatever age I'm working with, both on and off the ice. It was almost a no-brainer once I kind of thought about it. And when we moved to, we moved to Colorado and we started getting things going here and building relationships and starting the business. And for me, it's about two things, creating this awesome long-term development plan. So when I focus on a kid, I don't care what level they play. I don't care if they scored the last week and it's more, okay, we have this long, if they're 10, okay, let's, let's, it's a 10 year thing. We have an idea. If you want to be a D1 athlete, where you need to be in 10 years and I'll, I'll focus on that. And it's the on ice and, you know, the leadership and who you are and help building their self-confidence. And, and for me, it's trying to create that a better model than what's out there. Um, and that's always kind of been the challenge um, since I kind of dove into this is, okay, how do you do that for these young athletes? And I, I do look at my experience in Europe and St. Petersburg, which has an unbelievable youth development junior program over there. Uh, in Austria, I got to see in Salzburg, the Red Bull program, which is another one, which is, you know, they're almost like European soccer clubs, which have these huge budgets, but they invest in their young athletes, which is totally different than we have here. So I do take a lot of things from there. I look at that Swedish model, like up until 13s, you know, it's all skill development. It's all in-house. It's, you know, every athlete gets the kind of the same thing. Um, so I'm going back and forth. I'm, you know, Danny, you can jump in here too, but for me, yeah. it's, it's okay. How do you, there's this amazing North American model. It, it, it's, it, we've produced tons of players. I grew up playing in Toronto in the area, which has pumped up more athletes, hockey players than anywhere. But okay, how do we, what can we do to make it better? What can yeah. we do to make it a positive experience for everybody involved? For sure. Those well, it sounds like some I want to be a part of, and I know, <laughs> I know you're, it's awesome right now what yeah. you're doing in, in Colorado and you have your hockey Academy and all that. And it, it is interesting. I don't know how many coaches that I've came across that have like firsthand visual experience of all those different types of youth hockey um, systems, I guess you want whatever you want to call it, developmental systems around the entire world. And you said you're, you're bringing that stuff and you're, you're trying to, trying to make something better than, than what we had. Um, And then, but then I always go back to like the NHL draft that just happened and there was like, 
I don't, I don't want to say the wrong number, but there's a ton of Canadians picked in the first two rounds. And it's like, well, maybe everyone should be doing what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, it's a, it's a tough philosophies and, and coaching and it's hard. It's not, it's not easy and it's never, it's never right for one kid, but what, what it depends on your definition of success. I looked at that too. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of Canadians here and yeah. you know, and a little less Americans, the ADM must not be working. Um, right. You know, it's one of those things that come up in your mind, but it, I think it all comes back to, okay, what is success as a coach, as an organization, as a, uh, a training center or company uh, and as a parent, as an athlete. And, and without defining that, and I think yeah. we can all talk about that. It, it, it's tough to say, okay, you're doing a good job or you're not. Have you, uh, have you guys defined success at all in your, your hockey academy where it's like, okay, this is basically, this is like our pillars. This is what we stand for. Well, we, we focus on uh, self-confidence, the development of the athlete. I want them to look in that mirror, know, learn who they are, and love that person. Number one, that's, that's my number one. Number two is we can really, you know, this, I don't coach their team, so I can focus on their skating, their quickness, and their shooting, and, and do it in a positive environment where they can grow. Uh, and, and for me, it's, let's focus on those things. Every, you know, kids hit puberty at different times. It's, they're going to grow at different times. It's, uh, but we can maintain that, that, you know, that big picture, that big picture, which is very difficult for young athletes. And they're not supposed to have that at, you know, young ages. And for pictures, our parents, it's also difficult too, because it's chaotic. You know, it's, it's hard not to want to do what that next person's doing beside you. Um, and the other thing I really try to create is, um, Keeping, you know, the parents are the big influencers here, and I want to have help them uh, create a positive experience for the kid and, and connect with them because all too often, especially at the competitive hockey level, um, a lot of pressure on the kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's they do with every parents do everything out of love, but um, the way they interact with them and they all they they celebrate only the 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 successes and they. And it's all about making the team or points or you have to do this. It's always, you know, we're adults. They think like adults. Um, but all too often that has a detrimental effect on a kid's long-term self-worth. Um, I don't think it helps too much in their hockey development. Right. And, and it becomes a negative experience And when, when sports is, is supposed to be this amazing thing where we grow, we learn about ourselves, you win, you lose, you, uh, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, obviously everybody on this talk right now loves it. And, and um, so a lot of that too is also trying to keep, not, I wouldn't say keep the parents in check, but be a resource they can use to lean on that. Um, they can talk life and hockey and how to put that together. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think you hit it on the head there. There's so much more to gain out of hockey than just the, the stat sheet. You know, if that's all that people are looking at, they're missing the, the main why and the big picture and all the benefits that can come with the game. And, uh, you know, before this interview, I was on your website, checking it out, trying to learn more about your academy. And, and one thing I was really impressed with is, you know, I downloaded the the three different program guide sheets that you, you have on there. The was it Spark, uh, Ignite or Spark Fuel and Ignite. Yeah. And uh, the thing that stuck out to me is it was kind of the all encompassing um guidance you had in the process. And so, you know, there's, there's a breakdown of, of ice and uh, ice time and skill development, but you know, you have, you have a very specific, at least just on the surface, like the little bit that I scratched into was that, you know, you're talking about, um, teaching these kids recovery and teaching the parents about, um, 
that, that process in hockey and, um, you know, active recovery, nutrition and diet and yoga and flexibility and, and training. And so it was like an all, all encompassing. So I, I love hearing you talk about that because that was, you know, that, that really impressed me with, with the way you lay your Academy out is with that, that all encompassing process and not just, yeah, we, this is how many hours we put on the ice. Um, so I, I don't know if there's anything deep, you know, like I would highly recommend that people check out your website and download those guides to really see what you're doing and see like how, all encompassing that that program is. Um, is there anything else in that program that you can kind of elaborate on, you know, beyond those, those guidebooks that, that are available for people to check out? Um, a little bit, you know, thanks for checking it out. Uh, and thanks yeah. for pumping it up there. Uh, it's, you know, for me, it was when I kind of switched from the week, I was getting frustrated with the weekly model or the drop in kind of skill stuff because it was dropping. It didn't have that long term development that I really was craving. So when we, a couple of years ago, I switched it more over to an off-season, um, all-encompassing, you know, holistic approach where we did the on-ice, the off-ice, the nutrition, and everything was, you know, in the for the right age. So you know, the younger kids are on the ice more; they're not out there pumping weights. Uh, the younger, the older guys who have junior camps all summer, um, you know, it's a, a different structure. And what do I? Because I was looking at the the market around here, and it's similar everywhere. Everything's kind of all a cart. So you have the, you know, these moms or dads are both who are looking around and they're doing a lesson here, doing something over here, going for this guy. And, and for me, I'm like, why don't I put a team together where we all work together, you know, from the strength and conditioning side, I want to know when my junior guys are, you know, deadlifting cause I'm not going to do overspeed that day. And it, it sounds so simple, but just that coordination and, and coming up with a plan. And that a lot of pro athletes have this kind of off season program, but my idea was to provide that for um, younger athletes and, like I said, it, it, for me, it's more intimate. It's more fun. I get to know the kids. I have a lot of very small groups. Um, and that's where I get to do the leadership stuff, which I love. And um, for me, if anything, you, when you come to my camp, will you get faster and shoot harder? Yes. Uh, but the first thing I do is we dial into, I get to know what are these kids' core values and, and who are you as a person? And then we challenge them on that. You know, if you say hard work or you're a Christian or whatever, 24-7, you live that. Because I think, you know, it's about being fulfilled. And, you know, I use sport as a way to help them grow who they are as people. Um, and I think that's what's unique, not unique, but um, what I try to do that's special. I think that is unique. And I, th I think like the idea, it sounds like you're, you're holding yourself to the same exact standard as you're holding your players. Like you say, if you're going to, if you're going to say that you're a hard worker, then you need to be that 24 seven. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to use sport to help, uh, breed self-confidence into these players, then you need to do that 24 seven. And like through this 27 minute interview that we're into, like you've talked about how you fly up to Canada just to, to do exactly what you're talking about. And so I think it is unique. And so don't, don't sell that short. And I, I would suggest anybody listening to go check this out, especially if you're in that Colorado area, if you're in um, Arizona, which is a better state, that's where I was born. But if you're in kind of that area, <laughs> I think, uh, I think it's something to check out. Um, and so I don't know, I think it is unique. And so we, we appreciate you coming on. Um, but, but before, before we start to tie stuff up and kind of, kind of wrap it up, we, we like to just give plain out plain old advice. And we, we try to get away from, you know, like have fun. Uh, cause if you're not having fun, like we know we, we all, that, that's a huge part, right? If you're not having fun, um, it's going to be tough. And especially with your story and your background, like, if that, if that passion gets switched on a little bit more, who knows what could have happened for you in your game. But 
Um, other than that, like concrete advice. And so something that you would give for aspiring hockey players, we'll start with them and then we're going to move to coaches after that. But what's, what's something that if you're a, if you're a hockey player and you had two minutes to listen to this podcast, fast forward to this part and check out his advice. What, what do you got for us? Two minutes. Uh, all right. <laughs> players. And this is from a friend of mine here in Denver. Um, you can only, you can only control a few things. Uh, your attitude your work ethic and your compete level. And no matter if you're sick or you're a little, you're injured or whatever it is, you can always bring those things. Yeah. And, and the other thing is you're not a hockey player. You're somebody who plays hockey. You're more than that. Even from people who like us on this call who loves hockey, you are more than that. Use this sport to learn about yourself and challenge yourself, not just to you know, worry about stats and performance, but to grow, to grow. So when you, when something feels great and you feel fulfilled, why did you feel, feel fulfilled? Was it because you love scoring goals? Mm-hmm. Well, that tells you something about yourself. Was it because you were part of a team who won a championship? Well, you love being part of that team. Uh, was it because, uh, I don't know, dive into that. Dive into what, or if you're feeling off, okay, it's not just the coach didn't play you. Maybe you didn't feel respected. Respect is something that's big in your life. You know Good or bad, you're always going to learn something. So use this game because, you know what, in school you're not going to fail. You're not going to win or lose like you do in hockey. You're not going to be around that type of you know, team bonding that you get in team sports. So use it as a way to learn and grow and enjoy it, man. <laughs> it's a fun ride if you, you, know, if you want it to be. Um, there's, my, there's my player advice. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's, uh, that is solid advice that I hope that everybody out there gets a chance to listen this deep into the interview and, and, and heed that advice. So I think that's a, some very valuable advice for players of all, of all ages and levels out there. Uh, so let's, let's switch gears here now and talk about, uh, youth hockey coaches and in regards to advice for those coaches, um, you know, potentially for themselves, but a lot of times we, we focus on, you know, those coaches that have really strong influence on their players and their players' lives and their players' hockey, you know, careers, whether they're professional or amateur, but their, their time in the game and, and outside of the game. And so what kind of advice would you lend to youth hockey coaches out there um, that are listening today? Yeah. Um, well, when I look back at my, my, my career, my life, I don't remember too many elementary school teachers. Sorry, Danny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember all those amazing coaches I had in my life and the impact they had on me. Um, you're not just coaching hockey players, you know, you are influencing their lives, not just in the moment, but going forward. And you have such a big impact on who they see themselves when they look in that mirror. Um, you know, keeping that in the back of your mind is something that's really important. Uh, the other thing is just like a player, your attitude, your work ethic, uh, your compete level, Show up prepared, bring a great attitude because uh, you are the leader, you know, and especially in youth sports, it's a top-down thing. So when you walk in that room, you do have, there's a, there's a power dynamic between you and that athlete and respect it. It's always going to be there. They want ice time and they're looking for you for guidance and leadership and just be cognizant of it. Be aware. Uh, make sure you're creating a positive environment for those kids. Um, the way you conduct yourself, uh, the way they're looking, they're looking at you. They're looking for leadership and they're going to, they're going to copy you and, and also the way you react to situations. So if you, uh, I don't know, I'm thinking of a bad call on a ref and you're losing your mind at that ref um, and the players start doing it and it's, it's contagious. <laughs> well, guess what happens? And you know, when that kid's 26 
and yeah. you know, and something happens in a work environment, he's going to look. You know, our brains are are wired to go back and pull upon things, right? For sure. You're teaching kids to not deal with authority the proper way and stuff. So just be aware that you might be heated in that moment, but the impact will have a long-term effect on those kids. So um, now that I'm that, enjoy it, man. You're probably there because it's a calling. <laughs> like I said, coaching is a calling. It's something, you, it, it's who you are mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Yeah, that's something to, to really think about. Like at the time you might think you're just yelling at your ref, at the ref or whatever, but that is the person in charge, right? That's the authority figure. And that stuff can come out sideways, especially when you're dealing with youth hockey players that haven't, matured fully yet i don't know if we ever mature fully but um like the idea of like now they see that then they go down the road and it it might come outside of the rink one day and so that's where i don't know that's where like you're not you're not a like kind of like you said you're not a hockey player you're a player plays hockey you're not a hockey coach you're you're someone who coaches hockey and like you should be helping mentoring these young men or women to to help so when when they do ever need when they do recall on past experiences which they're gonna do hopefully it's a, it's a a positive one. And I think you're right. I can't name, I was just thinking, trying to name my elementary school. I got one teacher, Mr. Sampson. Uh, He's a beauty third grade teacher. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, I can't name one, but I can, I can name every single hockey coach from, from squirts till, till I stopped playing. Right. And like, that's, that's a huge difference. And I'm sure that transfers over from other sports, not just hockey, right? Like it's, it's, it's the same uh, figure regardless of the sports. So yeah. Can I add one more thing there? For Absolutely. Coaches? Yeah, please. Um, it just reminded me of another uh, thing that I just heard recently. It's, you know, you're not transactional. You're not there to make sure kids get stats or get to that next level. You're transformational, you know, and I, I think it's important for coaches to also communicate that with players and coaches. This is my role, you know, to teach you whatever you need to learn at that level to get to the next one, but also to, to really keep in mind, the impact this 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 year this season is going to have on you as a person. Um, mm-hmm. I really though for me those words really resonated. Not transactional, but transformational. Yeah, it's huge. I think if we can get more hockey people to think like you do, like just being honest, like the whole it's not it's not a la carte. It's not. It's more than just stats. It's more than just being transactional. I think our game's going to be in a much better spot, which is why I'm pumped that you live in Colorado and. You're not, uh, you're not up in Canada or wherever else your journey's <laughs> taking you. But, um, yeah, we, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Can, I, can, um, I, can we talk about parents? Can I give advice to parents? Yeah, yeah please. I, I know, advice for parents. Over here. Um, Do it. Parents or guardians, let's give some advice. Because, you know, the coaches have an impact. But I, obviously, at a young age, parents have the biggest one. And you have this amazing opportunity through sport to connect with your kids. To see them, you know, when they win or lose, you're not there at school when they fail a test. And all too often, um, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses and what happens if I don't do this? Or they get really upset when their kid doesn't perform well. Um, so a couple things. Number one is focus on those three things. If you really do want to talk about hockey, they can only do, they can control their attitude, their work ethic, and their compete level. There's so many factors they can't. Uh, and the other thing is if you're always, uh, well, how, how do I phrase this here? If you're sitting in that car and you're always telling your kids something, well, they're probably not creating, you're not creating that space where your kid will open it up about what they're really feeling. Maybe they played bad because they were bullied in the locker room. Maybe they had something wrong at school. Maybe they're, 
maybe they just don't like hockey. Right. Um, but all too often, like, instead of having this amazing bond where you, you create this space to allow your kid to feel and talk and um, use that experience from the game to get deeper, it's more of a one-way conversation, which does a couple things. It, it, it creates this relationship that most of us don't want with our kids. Um, we all want to have a connection with them and a deeper bond, um, but also puts conditions on your love because you don't do it you know, consciously, but you're ecstatic when they score goals and they, you know, da, 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 da. It's a, you know you're telling them, I love you when you do this, but I, you know, and then you're hard on them when something else happens. You don't know it, but it's, you're putting conditions on that. And it really changes the dynamic of why that kid plays sports. It does. And it's, it's a tough balance to have. So it's a couple things. One, just be aware of that. Number two, um, try your best to, instead of saying, you got to do this next game, say, Hey man, what's going on? How are you doing? Cause here's the thing. I deal with teenage athletes from humble to whoever young pros. And, um, if, if you don't create that space where your kid can come to talk to you about what he's feeling, uh, in a, you know, a peewee hockey game, I can guarantee when they're 17, they're not coming to you about the real life problems they're having. So it's such an opportunity to create that connection and that openness and the, the conversation, the two-way conversation. Because um, if you don't do it when they're 12, 13, 14, I promise you, they're not going to come to you at 17, 18, 19. Yeah. Uh, and, and so use that opportunity to be that or create that relationship that you're looking for. Sorry to get deep there. No, that, that's... Uh gets me thinking about like conversations and I, I mean my kids are still under three years old but it's still like I don't know Cameron you got something to add there like that was that was so well said so well said no I, I think that's so important it's um you know as as a dad it, it, it gets me thinking and I think that that I'm glad you stopped us and threw in the parent advice because that is a big you know a big piece of the puzzle I've never really thought about it the way you just you just put it where if those those players that in the peewee ages don't feel comfortable talking to you. How are they going to talk to you about real world problems? I've never really thought about it that way, but I think you're hundred percent right. And it makes me, uh, you got my, my gears turning just by, by Good. talking through that. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do a lot of work with USA hockey and, and, and through that I, I get to connect with a lot of coaches around the country. And I don't remember who told me this necessarily, but somebody, you know, like so, somebody at one of my conferences, I, I learned, I learned the statement of, of, we talked a lot about, you mentioned the word transactional and you know, so many parents try to incentivize their players success by like, you know, giving them a dollar every time they score or $20 every time they score a goal or a point. And I hate that as a coach. Cause I think it's, it's putting emphasis on the wrong, the wrong pieces of the game. And somebody, you know, uh, I wish I remember who told me this, but he always says, you know, instead of talking about your, your players, your, your kids saying in the car ride home saying, cause that car ride home can be kind of a scary time for some kids if it's not handled the right way, you know, instead of saying, Hey, nice goal. And that's the only thing you're focusing on, you know, switch that thing. And, and what I say with my kids now is always that, you know, like watching you play, just like, I just enjoy watching you play, like watching you skate makes me happy. And I tell my little boy that all the time, every time he skates, like, you know, Brooksy watching you skate just makes me happy, man. That's awesome. And I think that that, you know, for me, you know, my little guy's still only five, my oldest is five. And so he's really next week is literally his first termite practice. So he's just starting on that path, but you know, that, that kind of concept that you just laid out there, I think for me personally is going to be a big piece of in that. I want to be cognizant of that. I'm, I'm creating that, you know, situation where my boys can thrive in the game if they want to, 
you know, and, or something else that they want to. And I think that that's a huge takeaway for, for me. And, and, you know, the way I look at it is if it's a takeaway for me, then hopefully it's benefiting some other parents that are listening here as well. So I, I appreciate you laying that out on us. Thank good you. stuff. Thanks for sharing that. For sure. I think what got my gears turning is I, we want to have you back on again and we'd love to try and drum up some questions from parents or guardians or, or uncles or grandmas, whoever takes care of that kid in that house. And like, just to, just to help them through some advice because you, you don't know the situations that kids are dropped into. It might not be their mom or dad that they're with. It might be their grandparent that had nothing to do with anything. And all of a sudden now they're stuck with this kid who loves hockey. And how do you, how do you manage that situation? So hockey does to them what it, what it could do to everybody in such a positive way. And so, I don't know. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to have you on again. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll have to figure that out. Um, but before, before we get off, uh, we'd love to have just kind of a, a let's go from you. And then if there's any kind of closing thoughts before that, now's, now's the kind of time for that. All right. Do I have to scream it out? How's this work? <laughs> much get, as you want. You can get as new <laughs> as you want, or you can just give us a let's go. All right. Let's go. Love it. Appreciate it. Any, awesome. any, any final thoughts? Thoughts for our listeners before we let you go? I just, I love that you guys are doing this. Um, for me, even for selfish, like purpose, like this combines the two things I love, the skill development and the, and the stories and, and the, also the human side of the game. And so keep doing what you guys are doing. I'm honored and privileged, you know, that you guys asked me to be on here. And if yeah. you guys want me on, seriously, I'd love to. I, if I can help in any way, just let me know. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Mark Popovich, uh, where can, if people are interested in finding more uh, about you or contacting you, where can, where, where would you direct those people? Um, there's popovichockey.com for uh, more of my on ice clinics. Um, and if you ever have any personal questions about youth hockey or junior or pro, uh, any young players out there who need someone to talk to, I'm there. You can go through that website. Just send me an email. I'll make sure I get back to you. So I'm there for you guys. Perfect. We'll add, uh, we'll add that email and, and contact info into the, the show notes for anybody that's interested in reaching out to you. But with that, I think we'll, uh, we'll call it a, a good episode. I really appreciate your time. I think there's a ton of valuable advice uh, sprinkled throughout your journey and, and what you're doing now with, with players. I, I think it's a, a piece of the game a lot of people don't talk about or, or think about a lot, but it's such a valuable piece. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and uh, I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys huge thank you to mark popovic for coming on the show today i i really like this this episode I, I love this talk i love getting to know mark a little bit i hope i can cross paths with him in person he seems like uh, uh more than just a good guy a decent a good decent guy that's uh doing doing phenomenal things for his athletes he's working with on and off the ice so mark thank you for coming on the episode it was it was a great one um Danny, I think we jump into the three stars. You want to want let's make this happen. Why don't Do you kick us off? What's your uh, your star? Well, thanks again for coming on, Coach. First, well, I'll do I'll do three and two, and you can do one. Hopefully, I don't steal yours. I like <laughs> I like we do them this way now. So, little insight we used to kind of pick before. Now we're just we're rolling with it. So I, I love it. Um, number three, I'm going to talk about just his idea of self-confidence is his number one goal to give kids like, can they look themselves in the mirror and feel confident about who they are, not just as a hockey player, but as a human being, I think that gets lost. And I think that gets lost when, when you have, uh, when you kind of jump around and, and you do need different coaches in your life, but the idea of having somebody who's focused on your long-term development and your self-confidence is something I've never thought of. And it's something that, uh, 
something that I was glad he spoke about. Um, and then number two, um, I would have to talk about, I don't want to steal, I don't want to steal yours, but I, I would just say number two for me is honestly just go and check this guy out. Like his, his resources he has on his website, which will link his, his Instagram stuff that he does, his social media following the, the stuff that this guy puts out is exactly who he is and how he does his business. And so check that stuff out um, and, and make sure that you're following along with it. And if you're in the Colorado area, I, I'm telling you, if I, if I ever live out there, if my kids can get out there, he's going to be, he's going to get his door knocked on for sure. So that's what I got coach. Number one star. What do you got for us? I foresee you being in Colorado at some point here. We'll see. But uh, Number one star for me uh, as a hockey parent and as a hockey coach that works with a lot of hockey parents, I, I think that maybe the, the biggest takeaway is, you know, not only him opening up about his, his experience and, and his, um, hardships, but also, but the biggest thing is when he talked about using the sport of hockey as a vehicle for parents to develop a relationship with their children, that, um, that they, they, they can have a relationship with them and, and have discussions with them. And his, his point about talking about it, like if you're, if you don't create a space for your, or a dialogue with your, your players when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, they're not going to be comfortable talking to you when they're 17, 18, 19 about, you know, real world issues off the ice that are life impacting. And I think as a parent, that is, um, that's my number one takeaway is, is just a hard reminder of like, you know, you need to use hockey for the, the special opportunity and the vehicle that it is to uh, improve the lives of not only yourself and your kids, um, but also the people that you're involved with through the game. So that's my number one star for the night. Yeah, he's, he crushed it. He knocked this interview out of the park. Um, Coach, we appreciate you having coming on and, and sharing your wisdom and, and opening up because uh, it takes a uh, takes special human being to do what you, you do and, and the way you're helping the hockey game, you're truly leaving the game of hockey better than you found it. So appreciate you coming on. Um, probably an interview I'll listen to again and again. Um, yeah. That's what I got, Coach. That's where I'm sitting at today. I think that's awesome. I think that's a wrap. Stay. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Hockey Wolf, for making this possible. Wolf. I know Vinny's going to throw in oh, their, uh, their info. Oh, howling now! Wow, look at that. But yeah, uh, yeah I think that's awesome. That's a wrap for today. We're gonna we got a couple more uh, exciting episodes on the docket for the next couple of weeks. So keep listening, spread the word, and uh, have some fun on the ice. There. Let's go. Cool.